I should have explained this before. I was sitting up here this morning. It's not part of the sermon, by the way. But, uh, you know, when I did the Lord's, the Lord is my shepherd, the 23rd Psalm, we had all these sheep that kept appearing. And this thing appeared, but it has a note with it that says, Woo Pig Suey. <laughs> now, I have a sneaking feeling who left it up here for me. And I will find a way to get back at them. <laughs> Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever met someone who just loves to be the bearer of bad news? I've met people like that. And I've also met people who believe it is their God-given responsibility to tell everybody what they are doing wrong. They love to tell you how to do your job, how to raise their children, how to organize your time, and what cell phone service they think you should use. Now, I've thought in the past that we either live in the most arrogant or ignorant society in the world. It's amazing how many people know how to do our jobs better than we know how to do them, and they don't mind telling us how. Some people simply believe that they have God's insight on every situation, and that they're doing the world an injustice if they don't verbalize every negative thought that pops into their head. I've got a good friend named Scott, and uh, Scott has uh, one of the best responses I've ever heard to that kind of person. I was with him one time when he looked at this guy and said, I know you're right all the time, but go be right somewhere else. You know, there is a balance here that we need to achieve. As believers, we are certainly called on to speak the truth and to speak the truth even if it hurts. The Bible says speak the truth in love. But there's a right way and a wrong way to go about speaking the truth. Now, last week, as we started this little series called, you know, Setting Your World on Fire, I mentioned that we need to tell the truth about sin. I mean, there's absolutely no doubt about it. We need to call sin, sin. But we need to also remember that we have to speak the truth about repentance and forgiveness. It's one thing to tell somebody what you're doing is wrong. But at the same time, you need to say, and we also have a God who, when repentance is there, which is what? Metanoia. Change your mind. Change your direction. Our God is a forgiving God. But we are also asked to live lives of radical honesty. This means that you and I need to learn how to tell the truth, even when and if the truth might hurt. But when it comes to live a, living a life of radical honesty, I guess if we put up a sign today, it would say, proceed with caution. I want to spend a little time in the Old Testament this morning with the story about 1 Samuel that Matt read to us. Samuel was an apprentice to Eli. Some of you may remember that his mother, who was barren, always prayed for a son and said that if she ever had a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. And so when Samuel was born... And after he had been weaned, she took him to the temple where he lived under the supervision of the priest Eli. Samuel had a good heart. 
He had a strong desire to serve the Lord, and the Bible says that he grew in stature and in favor with God and man. Isn't that interesting? It's the same thing that's said about Jesus after his parents took him home from the temple, that he grew in wisdom and in stature with both God and men. Now, what you also need to know is that Eli also had two sons of his own. But these two sons, even though they were church workers, had no desire whatsoever to serve God. In fact, if you read 1 Samuel chapter 2, you'll, it describes these two guys, and it said that they would defile the offerings on the altar. They would take the meat that was offered to God, and they'd eat it for themselves. And they were also sleeping with all of the women who were working in the church. Now, Eli knew about his son's behavior, and he nagged him a little bit, but he never really did anything about it. He didn't fire him. He didn't throw him out of the temple. He didn't give him a good paddling or, or, or whatever. But at one point, God actually came to Eli, and he warned him about the price he was going to pay for his failure to discipline his two sons. In fact, in back in chapter 2, we're going to get to our chapter in a little bit, but in chapter 2, he says... The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your family line and you will see distress in your dwelling. That's pretty tough stuff. But still, Eli did nothing about his son's behavior. Let's get back to the story that Matt shared before. One night, remember, you got Samuel sleeping in the temple where the Ark of the Lord was, which is kind of interesting because normally they kept that, I thought, in the Holy of Holies. But whatever, he's sleeping by the Ark of the Covenant, and he hears somebody say, Samuel. And so he, he runs to Eli's room thinking it's him. Uh, here I am. Uh, Eli goes, wasn't me. So he goes, he's going to go back to sleep. So he goes back to sleep, second time, Samuel. And again, he runs, Eli, here I am. And Samuel says, I, I didn't call you. And, and he goes again, he hears that same thing. Samuel. And, and he goes, Eli, what is it? What do you want? Here I am. And, and about this time, Samuel is beginning to think, there's, got, there's something going on here. And so he tells him this fourth time that when you get back, if you hear that voice again, say, here I am, speak to me. Speak, for your servant is listening. And so he goes back, and this fourth time he hears those words again, Samuel, Samuel. And if you followed the text before, yeah, the Lord was standing there, and he says, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And then in verse 11, which you don't have in the text, but if you've got your Bibles, you'd see it in here. In verse 11, this is what the Lord said to Samuel. Maybe you were wondering, what did he say to him? Well, in verse 11, he says, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. For I told him I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Now, I have a feeling that if I was Samuel, this would have been a pretty tough message to hear. I mean, after all, Eli was his boss. Eli was his mentor. No doubt, being raised by Eli, he looked upon Eli kind of as a father figure. And the Bible goes on to say that Samuel was afraid 
to share that vision with Eli. But you can well guess what happens next. The next morning, Eli says, what was it the Lord said to you? And apparently, Samuel hesitated a little bit because as you read on in the story in verses 17 and 18, Eli says, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing. I wonder how Eli took that. Well, even though Eli had been disobedient, he was still a man of God and he recognized God's judgment. And so his response was, he is the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. Now, I want us to take a little bit closer look at this story because I think the events in Samuel's life here demonstrate how we can learn to live this life of radical honesty. And being radically honest involves three different things I see in this story. Here's the very first one. Radical honesty requires an element of discernment. See, the ability of of telling the truth comes from knowing the truth, or I would, I would even change it to say the ability to speak the word of God begins with the ability to hear the word of God. Now, if you're going to speak the word of God, you've got to hear the word of God, which means it takes a certain amount of discernment. You need to be able to distinguish between what is the voice of God and what, is all, what all these other voices are that you hear all around you all the time. And Samuel was not able to do that at first. Do you remember what it said when God spoke to Samuel? He thought it was Eli. Why? Matt read you these words. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. In other words, Samuel did not recognize the voice of God Because he didn't know God, but he was willing to listen. I mean, you're going to see that in almost every screen today up there. That little voice by, speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. I want to hear what it is that you have to say. See, the fourth time God spoke his name, he had learned to hear. And he was now ready to listen to what God said. Now, see, listening, learning to listen to the voice of God is a process. Now, I know that every time I have ever preached and said something to the effect that when God spoke to me the other day, there's always somebody will, will send me an email or they'll say, what does that sound like? God never does that to me. And, and sometimes you almost have to tell people, did you ever slow down enough to give God the chance to speak to you? I mean, God speaks in so many different ways. God wants to talk to us, whether it's through His Word or through other godly people or through situations or whatever. But we've got to be ready to listen. And God, the amazing thing about Him is is He is very patient with us as we learn. I mean, He called Samuel's name, what, four times before Samuel realized he was speaking. And God wants to do the same thing. I I don't care whether we go from Logan all the way back up here to Ted. Uh, God is desperate to have you hear 
what he has to say. But before you can speak the truth, you have to make sure that you hear the truth. Now, I'm going to take you back to about, I'm thinking this was uh, 20 plus years ago. I was serving in my first church, Emmanuel Lutheran in Belvedere, Illinois. And I received a book in the mail that was called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Must Take Place in 1988. Now, hundreds of thousands of copies of that were mailed out to pastors all over the United States. And the author, who was a NASA scientist or a NASA engineer, presented what he believed was a convincing argument from the Bible that 1988 would be the year of the rapture. Now, in his book, I remember he he said such things as this. Jesus said no man can know the hour or the day of his coming, but that doesn't mean we can't know the week, the month, or the year. (laughs) I thought, I think he missed something there. But but in spite of not knowing the hour or the day, in his book, he said the rapture would take place on Friday, September the 16th, 1988. And I thought, cool, that's my birthday. I'm out of here. Well, a a Nashville newspaper, I remember, ran an article. It it found its way in the Chicago Tribune and other places on the prediction. And it said that there were some businesses and some churches that actually closed their offices on Friday and churches that didn't have services on Sunday to allow employees to be home with their families. Now, needless to say, since we're all here yet today, the rapture didn't take place. It did not stop the author. The author did some recalculating and crunched his numbers again and realized he had been off by a year. And so I got the second book called 89 Reasons Why the Rapture Must Take Place in 1989. And I thought, some people never learn. And that goes back to the point I'm trying to make, is that before you attempt to speak the truth, perhaps you should know the truth. Before you tell someone, you know, what's right or wrong, or what they should or should not do, or whether they should should or should not marry a certain person, or what they should major in in college, or what kind of appetizer they should order at lunch, make sure you know what you're talking about. Seek the Lord. Listen to Him. Make sure it's God's voice that you are hearing, that it is God's truth that you are speaking. And the only way you can do that is to have an attitude that says, see, it's right up there in the corner again, Speak, Lord, for thy servant is listening. Now, here's the second thing. Radical honesty involves an element of hesitation. I hear what God says, and maybe I hold my tongue for a bit. I sit back and I think about it. Uh, You all know what a cow does when he ruminates. Chews it, swallows it, coughs it up again, chews it a couple of times, chews his cut. He's ruminating. He's chewing it over. He's thinking about it. Now, God gave a message to Samuel, and what did the Bible say? Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Now, I don't know if he was afraid of Eli's anger, or if he was afraid of what Eli would do, because he, because he knew that Eli had a habit of doing nothing. I think he was just afraid to tell him, because this message was going to hurt Eli. I mean, Samuel loved Eli like a father, and he was reluctant to tell Eli 
that he'd have to face the consequences of his actions. Now, what I'm saying from God's word, too, is that we need to be willing to speak the truth, even when it hurts. But I want to suggest that there should be an element of hesitation, a reluctance on our part to speak words that will be painful to other people to hear. I got to tell you, friends, if you get too much pleasure in telling somebody else something hurtful, your words are going to lose their impact and you really have no business going off and hurting people just because you like to see them hurt. You know, there's an old story about pastors. It's a church. They got really tired of the pastors they had. They were all way too liberal, they said. And so they contacted their uh, local church government and they said, send us a preacher that's not afraid to preach hellfire and damnation sermons. We want a preacher who believes in hell. So the church leader sent a man, found a man who fit the bill, sent him to the church, and a couple of months later, the church was back at his door and said, you got to get this guy out of here. We want somebody else. And the church president said, well, what's the problem? Doesn't he believe the way you want him to believe? And they said, well, it's not what he believes. It's the, it's the way he believes it. He preaches like he's glad there's a hell. Well, see, there are times when you do need to confront people with unpleasant things. When that happens, we need to make sure that we know what we're talking about, that we've heard from God, and we need to speak that truth. What does the Bible say? Speak the truth in love. Speak gently. And I guess my counsel is, friends, if it hurts for them to hear it, then it should hurt for you to say it. Now, here's the third point. Radical honesty involves an element of participation. If you look closely again at the text, you're going to notice that God didn't tell Samuel specifically to repeat the message to Eli. In fact, the message that God gave wasn't for Eli at all. It was for Samuel. But when Eli approached Samuel and asked Samuel what the Lord said to him about the vision, and Samuel stood there, hesitated for a moment, Eli said to him, Do not hide it from me. Do not hide from me anything he told you. And so the Bible says in verse 19, So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. So Samuel told Eli the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so in this sense, there was an element of participation on Eli's part. He was willing to hear what Samuel had to say. Any of you know people who don't like to hear the truth? Do you remember when you were a little kid and you didn't want to hear the truth? <laughs> or you'd stick your fingers in your ear. <laughs> you didn't want to hear it at all. Well, hopefully we've outgrown nonsense like that, but we probably haven't. Because that's the way some people still are today. They do not want to hear the truth. You can tell the truth to them until you are blue in the face. But if you keep talking to them and they're not listening, like Jesus said, you're going to be doing what? Casting pearls in front of the swine, in front of the pigs. But see, when you find that they're willing to listen, do not hold anything back. Even if it hurts you to say it, even if it hurts them to hear it, tell them the whole painful truth. If they're listening, and if you've made a point of speaking God's honest truth, 
And if you approach them with a certain amount of trepidation, then someday they'll actually come back and thank you for being so radically honest with them. You see, friends, God calls on us to live a life of radical honesty. And in order to speak the truth, though, we need to know the truth. And then we have to speak the truth carefully. If it hurts to hear it, again, I'm going to say it, it ought to hurt to say it. And if your words are effective, people are going to hear the whole truth. This is radical honesty, and I'm going to be honest with you. You don't hear radical honesty much these days anymore. A lot of people tell you only what it is they think you want to hear. You don't find it out in the work world. You don't find it in the political arena. And sometimes you don't really hear it within the confines of a church. And now there are some people who pride themselves in being brutally honest. I mean, they think it's their God-given right to blast everyone with whatever little truth they know. And some people are so self-absorbed and so self-centered that they wouldn't bother to warn their best friend if they were in the way of a, a moving train. See, radical honesty, I might call it radical biblical, radical Christ-centered honesty, is balance. It's the art of speaking the truth tenderly and persuasively. Now, do you know what the results of that are? If you tell the truth honestly, hearing the word of God, it's this. What you have to say will have more impact than you ever imagined. The Bible says of Samuel in verse 19, The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he, that's God, never let one of Samuel's words fall to the ground. Samuel listened. God listened. If you're willing to be radically honest, you begin the process the exact same way that Samuel did as a young man. You say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, I'm going to tell you that this is what I've been doing lately. I've been saying to God, speak, because I want to hear. I've been listening to what God has to say. The book of Ecclesiastes talks about there being a time and a season for everything. And if I could add to that list, I would say that there also comes a time to leave. It's kind of hard to quantify when that is, but most pastors know when the time is approaching. I believe this ultimately relates to the providence of God in the details of life. I believe that the Lord of the church is the Lord over the leaders in his church. He moves his people around like pieces on a chessboard, and the meaning of one move may not really be seen until much later. God knows what he's doing, and God makes no mistakes. And so after numerous discussions with Nancy and with our family, coupled with the counsel of good friends along with times of prayer, this is the time for us to prepare for the conclusion of our time of ministry here at First Lutheran Church. Therefore, while I announced Monday night to our leadership board and elders that our intent was to leave later this year, the following day on Tuesday morning, I received word that we had been assigned a new DCE intern. It stopped me in my tracks. This seemed like God's providential hand at work. 
It was something I had to think about again and pray about. Knowing that if I were to leave, the placement of a DCE would not take place, I have decided to postpone my departure for one year. While it may be too early to announce it, I do plan to, quote, retire in the spring of 2013. In the interim, I pledge to work with our elders and leadership board to assist in the orderly transfer of the pastorate to a well-qualified replacement, someone that will move the ministry of God along in this wonderful place. In this coming year, Nancy and I also pledge to be working together with you to move Christ's word and sacrament ministry forward also at First Lutheran Church. Our new D.C. intern, Katie Cleveland, that's K-A-D-I-E, Katie Cleveland, will be with us sometime after her April 20th graduation from Concordia, Austin. And by the way, Mark and Laura Pulliam give her high marks. Nancy and I enjoy our time with you, and we trust the feeling is mutual. God willing, when the pastoral transfer takes place, Next year, and we transition our ministry from Texarkana to India or Angola or wherever, as you move into a new era of ministry here at First Lutheran Church, we'll all be trusting in a God who always provides and a God who always has a plan. Let's pray. Our loving Father, we believe that the church is the body of Christ founded on the rock that Jesus is the Son of the living God. The Bible says that neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who increases. And so, Father, relying on this promise, we enter into your presence for the growth of this church. As the living word says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. So we are totally helpless without you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We ask you, Lord, to pour out your life-giving spirit and your enabling power upon this church in an abundant measure. And in so doing, bring about a great spiritual growth in this place. Purge away all the sins and the iniquities and the uncleanness from this place and from the people who dwell here. Let your ears be open toward all the prayers that come to you from these, your people, day and night. And may they be sweet incense before you. And Father God, place your mighty outstretched hands on every member and the leaders of this congregation. Help us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And, Father, let your grace always abide. In Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. As we gather our tithes and all.